0: This episode is brought to you by Clear Sky. ClearSky is the definitive identity governance and automation solution built natively on ServiceNow. Look, we've built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a nightmare for risk, security, and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized it? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on the ServiceNow platform which you already trust clear sky a better way to iga check the description below for episodes cj and i did on clear sky as well as how to contact them hey everyone welcome to another episode of cj and the duke as always i am your co-host robert the duke Fedoric.
1: and i am Corey cj wesley
0: are you ready
2: to rumble there we <laughs> go
0: yeah
1: and that. what better way to introduce <laughs> this episode today we have ben forrest
2: from service now ben how you doing I am doing fantastically well, sir, and it's uh, a pleasure to be on the pod. Pleasure to have you here.
0: I, I can't wait for this episode, man. I've been waiting for a long time. So glad to finally have you here, Ben. I was going to say like so, a
2: long-time listener, first-time caller.
0: There we go. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Benjamin Forrest, he is a master now trainer. Is that the proper word for the cert?
2: It is, uh, yeah, master master technical instructor, master, te- master technical trainer, and then also some Folks, I guess, may know me from the Certified Technical Architect or the Certified Master Architect program as well, Mm. like teaching a bunch of other classes. So
0: That that sounds super elite. How many people are there with that, with the Master Technical Trainer?
2: Uh, So there are, let's see, there are two of us in the U.S., so myself and Mr. Sean McLean. And then we've got two in Europe, and we're still on the prowl for somebody to fill that spot in APJ at some point. so. So you're one of four in the world. That's amazing feels like there's some rare error but you know how you get to a place and then eventually you're just like well wait a minute uh where do i go from here like you get somewhere and then you're like "Ah, we could still be doing better what's what's next so that's a good question right like so at the top of the game right which you are
1: you know being (laughs) one being one of four in the world (laughs) how do you find that you know we could still be doing better like how do you identify that when you're already
2: obviously doing so much better than a lot of people. I think this is where we cut to like a Lin-Manuel song, right? Like, I think we want to be like, I don't know, is it Hamilton? Like where I would never be satisfied. I think that there's like a kind of burning desire that a lot of folks in this space have. And I feel pretty fortunate to to just be one of many people uh, that kind of have that mindset. And I think that we're all just trying to, yeah, uh, just trying to make the world a little bit better, I think. And and I don't want to sound like I'm totally straight up mainlining the Kool-Aid. But uh, you know, even before working at ServiceNow, it was one of those things where it's just a. There's just something I don't know if it's wrong inside, a, like a person that just is like, no, there, there's got to be tinier edges, more optimization. Like it's got to get better, right? Like it's just a drive to to keep improving. I guess it's yeah, it's, it's just like, like, like one like of those that weird unchecked things. ambition. Yeah, that and that may be it too, right? I don't know where it comes from specifically. I think uh, when I was younger, it was because I wanted. Uh, people to notice me but and and there's a little bit of a, a narcissistic bent to that but i think these days it's matured maybe a little bit i think and i try to turn it towards the good and it's really just kind of hmm not ambition but self-examination i think but but we try not to be navel gazy about it navel gazy. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a new form of, of rock right yeah like instead of instead of gaze, like like navel gaze rock navel gaze rock <laughs> nice love it
0: Hey, speaking of always improving, what have you added to your studio and bag of tricks in your training session since I took PA with you a couple of years ago? And listen, if you've never had a course with Ben, pull out all the stops and find a way. Pay your own (laughs) money, bribe somebody on the inside to make sure you get in one of his classes because it is an experience. You know, you show up for class and there's like this super jamming soundtrack going on oh
2: man and like i was gonna say you like have
0: like the the super the super awesome wait time clock it's not just some random counter counting down it's like everything's integrated into this audio visual experience i'm like where am I at nightclub
2: uh, i think yeah i think the the a part of that is so i think since the time you took pa I was mm-hmm. it pa advanced i was rocking the single camera setup at that time i'm now on a three camera setup We've redone the entire studio. I finally, just before the pandemic hit, like finally justified uh, to myself buying my dream microphone. And uh, what's that? It is a uh, well. I feel like a little bit like. Well, uh, I, I think that. <laughs> are you a little embarrassed to say? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's a Neumann U eighty seven AI. Uh, the classic kind of studio, like it's what you see in any high end. Studio and it's what I was lucky enough to work with a couple of times at my in my previous life back at PlayStation and we would do like audio recordings or we do fully work like I, I started there in QA and so sometimes they would just go hey everybody we need crowd noises today and you walk into this amazing sound studio and that's that would be one of the mics that you would see it's nice. like it's with the kind of the NPR standard and I've lusted after it for a long time
0: actually you, you we've brought up Sony a couple times so maybe a good, another good question to start would be what from your previous experiences, your pre-service now stuff has done the most for you in your training, in, in your position in the training department? Oh, so that's a really good question. And it's, it's something that
2: people will ask from time to time, but I started at the bottom there, right? I started in QA, wanted, you know, to follow the dream that a lot of people had. And it's like, I'm going to work in video games and I'm going to be really cool. And I'm going to be you know bright. Like we're just going to do that thing. And I actually feel like I was pretty fortunate in that I got a kind of a world-class education in learning about software quality and software testing. And early on, it was one of those things where previous to that, I'd come from more of a training background, but doing like customer service and sales training for uh, sprint PCS way back in the day. So just as they were starting out, but I immediately jumped from there and took this contract gig as a tester right like it's like get paid to play video games oh awesome like this is the dream but then you realize how like how challenging and how uh difficult it can be and we had like a horrible attrition rate so the thing that i really took away from that whole just experience was starting at the bottom and then trying to learn as much as you possibly could from any source possible like anybody can teach you something and you just have to be a sponge and so I got lucky enough to do that for a while, then started a training organization there just so that we didn't hemorrhage testers who would come in and then go, uh, this is horrible. Thanks. I'm out. And so getting to do that and then working with other IT and, and shared services organizations, and then you realize uh, making games is a really difficult process. It's not all funny games, right? There's... There's all the services related to mocap and sound design and engineering and game design. And then I started just as uh, PlayStation 2 was launching. And so we were just starting to go online with the network adapter, right? Doing dial-ups, like having to test 56K dial-up uh, oh, online man, at the time. Days. Yeah, like way, way back in the day. So then getting to work with network operations and doing time in a knock, working with folks to figure out security testing and technical standards. And so... Even if you're starting somewhere completely random or you're thinking you're at the bottom of the barrel, like there's so much you can learn if you just keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, And I think that's the thing that I really took away is just trying to to be as much of a sponge as I possibly could. And then you just sort of get a little bit good at enough things and, and it gives you a perspective so that you can be one of the kind of few people that sees the bigger picture, if that makes sense. I think so many people kind of get their noses way down into the weeds. You know, and rightly so, like if you're somebody that's trying to, to scale network operations for a, a video game and trying to figure out how many, you know, servers you need to load balance and, you know, how to keep that environment running. I understand that you got to be really good at at that one component, but everybody else should be paying attention to all that stuff, right? And, and start to understand what some of their needs are and what some of their pressures are and some of their drivers and then working with security teams or with, with like I said, with QA teams or with people doing compliance or Man. finance, you know?
0: I want to lean into something right there because the most common question Corey and I get is what are the steps to do this? Can you send me the learning materials for this? And there's such a a huge mass of people who are trying to get into the ServiceNow ecosystem Mm -hmm. or get better, but they're very focused on, right? Please send me a document that will teach me so that I can do this, right? Yep. And that's how I'm going to get good And what you just said there is basically getting good is about just diving deep into the experiences that you are having Mm -hmm. (laughs) and looking around beyond your position on the board. Right, right. Right. Like if you're in a pawn position, check out what the knight's doing. Check out what the bishop's doing. And it's not just about, you see what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you, you can get such a more richer learning experience and you can get the recombined effects right i don't know where i'm going with this well i i
2: I, no i i really appreciate what you're saying because it's it's something that i notice in a lot of industries and i i tend to think about sort of roles in an archetypal kind of person like we talk about personas a lot but i think it's worth talking about psychographics and, and archetypes right not to get all carl jungian psychology but like People tend to fall into certain roles or have certain things that are driving them, and the same is true for the personas that that drive businesses, right? I remember it was one of my very first mentors and, and bosses told me that there's really not a difference between the only difference between running a family and running a business is that one runs on fear, and the other one runs on love, and um, you know, and then of course some of the joke would be like. And that's why I love you guys so much, right? Like the family runs on fear, but like we know the opposite is true, but it's the same, right? Where it, you can take experience from wherever you are, just like you're saying, and start to recognize sort of these patterns, these heuristics, these rules of thumb that, that exist everywhere. And once you can start to create those commonalities or recognize the commonalities, everything falls into those patterns, right? So ServiceNow has certain design patterns, and then we use, we, we layer those design patterns on top of a process. So like an HR process or a customer service process or, you know, a security process, all of them, we then layer the sort of traditional service now design patterns of people do stuff to things, you know, users, tasks, CIs or assets, right? Like it's all the, it's all the same thing remixed and it's those kind of archetypes, right? Those sort of common things that you see anywhere and, and I think a thing that is really important for anybody that's trying to pick up ServiceNow is that it's not magic, it's not a silver bullet, and, and uh, this is why they don't let me on the sales calls, but like, <laughs> it's not. It's one of those things where it's like, if somebody were to tell you that buying ServiceNow is going to solve all your problems, at the end of the day, it comes down to the people and the process, and ServiceNow is, is a really well-built UI on top of an excellently architected database, but that's pretty much all it is. And that's any piece of cloud software. Ultimately, the thing that is the difference is the people doing the work of implementations, the people that care about the way that these processes are designed. And ultimately it goes all the way back to Fred and Bo and company. Like at the very beginning of that kind of, they had a, a certain design pattern that just made it easy for people to pick up and understand. Oh, you know, Ben, I, I much prefer to think is magic. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah and and it's funny like sometimes I, i frustrate friends and and family when i go like it's not enough for me to know like that a thing works i need to know how it works underneath sometimes and so maybe that's that's part of what drives that curiosity kind of bent in me but
1: yeah. I got a buddy like that. Everyone's playing Wordle, right? And he mm-hmm. went in and it wasn't enough for him to play Wordle. He had to figure out how many times a day he can play Wordle. So he figured out that it's tied to the system clock. And then he had to figure out what's the words that Wordle will actually allow mm-hmm. you to use. So he figured out what the total <laughs> amount of dictionary words you can use in Wordle. And then he had to figure out, okay, so now that I know all of this, I need to know what's the most optimal starting word right. and what's the
2: least optimal. You know what I mean? And That person kinda... sounds like a lot like a so- like a good software tester, right? Like we're trying to figure out the system so that we can sort of break it or see if it can break or if we can exploit it, right? Like there's, there's a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, he happens to be VP of engineering. For, ah, uh, for okay. Company, so. uh, <laughs> nice, nice. So moving on from there. Sure. One question I have, and it's fresh on my mind because we just had the uh, the guys over at uh, Now Learning on, on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So tell me how Now Learning and training complement each other, and from your perspective.
2: Well, so ultimately, like we would love it if we could have, I think all, and I'm not, I'm just speaking from my perspective. I'm I'm not speaking for for the the training org at the moment, right? On that perspective, no, but so from my perspective, it, I think we want it to be that kind of centralized place, that hub. Where everybody can go and, and find the thing that they're looking for. But uh, f- even from my perspective, like I'm starting to work on uh, on teaching and delivering classes where there's no book. Like you just go to the Now Learning course, right? And the course is, is and all the materials and all of the components are all driven and central in Now Learning. For instance, the, the CMDB fundamental courses is like that, right? Where I'm an instructor and I'm holding your hand through what would have previously been kind of a self-paced learning experience but i'm also adding some labs and some perspective and i'm doing the lecture so you know you get 3 days worth of that kind of enriched content but you can go in and take the course ahead of time and then retake certain parts of it or get a different perspective walk through when you actually sit down with me or another instructor to do that process but it's a little different for folks, right? Like it's, it, sometimes they feel like they want that physical book or they want the locked PDF on their machine. Like it's not enough to have it on the the Now Learning course, but that's kind of where a lot of that stuff is starting to move because it, whether you're consuming it self-paced, whether you're consuming it in uh, a recorded asynchronous teacher-driven version or instructor version, or if you're consuming it live, I think that we want to be able to put all of those components into Now Learning, right? Right. So scheduling classes, running classes, all of it we want it to kind of be the one-stop place for folks to go. And it's starting to capture a lot of really interesting data too. I mean, there's been some some cool discussions that uh, I'm not sure I can how much I can get into <laughs> um in terms of what we might be able to do with that someday, but it's pretty exciting to be able to create things potentially like a dynamic persona, right? Or if I know enough about you as a as, as what you want to do. And you're starting to see some of that as you log in, right? With all of the, what is it you're looking to do messages. Yeah. But imagine a world where there is so much content on there. Just like if you were to go to YouTube, there's so much content, but the algorithm now knows so much more about you and can start to tailor what's presented to you. And imagine a world where like now learning could also do something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. You know, you kind of jump in and, and basically get like... Whatever it is you're thinking about, deliver it directly to you, and, and and let you explore that path. I think would be would be pretty amazing. Let me ask you this question: As a master trainer here, right, is one of the only four in the world. I like saying that. <laughs> <laughs> what are your top three? What I, I don't know if I want to call them qualities or or attributes. Uh, Ah, okay. From the perspective of a teacher to a student, like what are the three things you like to see in a student that's going to signify like eventual success? Gotcha.
2: Okay. Well, and I think that these are also probably qualities that are useful outside of just being a student, but people ask me this question a lot about what sort of quality should I exhibit or or try to foster? And I think the first one um, is curiosity, certainly. I would really much rather have an unskilled person who is super curious and wants to learn and is motivated to learn something than somebody that's got, you know, three degrees and and wants to be fed the answer. I think curiosity is far more valuable. I think right after that, a willingness and an openness to be wrong and, and be okay with not knowing the answer and being okay with there not being a universal Kantian maxim that says, like, here's the one way that this will always work. I, I don't think that that perspective is useful because there are so many nuanced situations where there is not going to be like an easy answer to point to. And I think that uh, part of, of growing as a human is understanding that there are that there is nuance, right? And not everything's black and white. So uh, a willingness to be uh, curious, a willingness to be uh, wrong or not, except that there's not always like a simple right answer. And then I would say that the last thing that I'm always looking for is is empathy, right? Be able, being able to put yourself in the shoes of other individuals other learners gives you a, a patience and a willingness to see the world and understand from a design perspective like edge cases and all kinds of things like it's useful in and out of the classroom so i would say curiosity a willingness to f- be okay being wrong and empathy like would be my top 3 nice yeah, I,
1: thank you for that, and I, I I totally agree with you on, on those too. By the way, curiosity t- to me is one of those things that serve me very well, and in all aspects of my career and, and my life as as well. Like you know, there's only if you want to know if if you have this kind of this kind of drive to to learn something, like you, you'll always be learning, and and if you're always learning, then you'll always be successful. In my opinion.
2: Agreed. And and it doesn't have to be that kind of, in my case, I I feel like I've got kind of an extreme nerdy version of it, right? Where I'm just like, I'm wanting to know things just to know them. But I think that embracing uh, whatever flavor of curiosity you've got, I think uh, I was reading a white paper not too long ago, it was like Psychology Times or something, and they were talking about two... kind of poles of curiosity one being that kind of I want to learn because I like it just bothers me that I don't know and then another curiosity that's driven by more of a scarcity mindset like I need to know or else I will be at a disadvantage and it's okay to embrace either spectrum of that I think it's ultimately that's the curiosity is the thing right whatever drives it uh, is secondary I think yeah. Great. So for those of you guys out there that aren't feeling like science super nerds, it's okay if the curiosity is driven by like, I just would like to know so that I can get the coolest job ever. Like that's that's an okay curiosity,
0: I think. Well, it, it's, I, I'm super curious about something actually. <laughs> um, I'm really super curious. <laughs> yes, sir. Because I mean, we've been know, knowing each other a while and I just, this is the first time I read your LinkedIn profile and it says here, That you use the ServiceNow platform, especially ITOM and SecOps suites. Oh, here we go. Yep. Along with Service Catalog and Integration (laughs) Hub to automate all the things while keeping track of KPIs. Wait a second.
2: Yep. Yeah, we have stakeholder meetings here. Like uh, I've only got one main stakeholder left here at home. The other one went off to college. Well, actually graduated college and now lives with her boyfriend in New York. But yeah, the kids have to use the ServiceNow app. In fact, I'm about to re-implement for the third time, actually, like starting from scratch for the San Diego release. Because I'm like, it's time. I haven't re-implemented since London. Mm. Um, And, you know, like you get to a point where at least in this sort of environment where I'm like, it's usually faster for me to just blow it up and then start over again. And I'm kind of okay with that. I recognize you can't really do that in, in a lot of other cases quickly what, or easily. What are you rebuilding? Let's see. So I'm going to be able to take advantage of a lot of the newer discovery patterns. I don't have to use a bunch of the bespoke ones that I set up. I'm going to be trying to rebuild the Suricata environment that I built for network intrusion detection here at the house. I'm going to be <laughs> setting up like basically a whole nother subnet for all of the IT devices or all the IoT devices that I currently manage on the same environment, but in a different VLAN Like I'm going to be splitting that off into its own complete different, including basically everything from the ground up is going to be segregated for those devices and no longer accessible outside. All of the network access for the Wi-Fi is all governed. So like if my son has friends over and they've got laptops and they're wanting to play like Call of Duty or something, he has to use the app, put in a request. The request is usually granted. It's that part's automated unless there's something crazy about the device he wants to hook up. Then it temporarily like orchestration kicks in and then provisions his laptop on the environment. Right. I can also, I, I, we also use that to shut off network access for all of his devices. Like if his grades via the high school, they, they use PowerSchool, right? Which is, I believe a Microsoft product, but it's yeah, like yeah, got yeah. easy, easy API access. You can just get the data. So like if his grades drop, like it changes the networking schedule here at the house. So like his laptop gets cut off earlier and is off on the weekends unless he puts in a special request for having to put in like project works. There you are that on GitHub.
1: I, I I've been like, I've seriously for the last month, I've been kicking this around building building this out for my son. Yeah. To, I'll put, for it, the I'll, very I'll put reason. it up there for you.
2: Like, um, yeah. like, well, and so I'm rebuilding all of that from the ground up and I'll, I'm going to be doing it and trying to do it live on Twitch every time I, I'm working on it just for like, cause it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? I just need to get back into regularly being online and streaming and, Enough people have asked me and are curious about it that I figured I would just go ahead and uh, do it in real time after work, like, since I'm going to be doing it anyway, you know, like, I'll just go ahead and record it at the same time. Dude, So this has awesome. been
0: streamed already? Like, you, you record yourself building it?
2: No, no, no. That's, that's the plan. In fact, this month, I'm going to be starting in, like, another week. So, like, Ash and I just sat down and looked at the backlog, and we're working through user stories because he's got, like, a bunch <laughs> of requests for different things that he wants, and then I told him that he has to actually build out some of the flows himself, so... Yeah.
1: Dude, I love that you got user stories for the
2: house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like, so I'm one of those people that really have a hard time learning something unless it has context, unless I can give it context. And, and maybe I'll learn it, but then I'll forget it unless I put it to use. So when I first started learning Agile and Scrum methodologies way back in the day, like shout out to Mike Cohen over at uh, Mountain Goat. A software like he's the person i looked to and he's the guy that trained us and certified us back when i was at playstation and i just started like putting together a board so like for the longest time when i rebuilt this house like physically like we remodeled the whole thing we added like a second story and did all that stuff like the the kids were much younger and just like three by five index cards on a on a cork board man like so but now it's nice because i have a virtual task board that we can manage all that stuff in my instance so yeah, I got to do that. Like
1: I I'm man, like I'm I'm seriously geeking out over this. I'm building out this app I call Life 2.0, right? Where it's just really grabbing all of my presence and making it digital and put it in service now so I can so I can just see at a glance, right, what's the latest bank debits or, or credits, mm-hmm. right? Any kind of medicine that I'm taking, right? Like when is it supposed to be refilled? When is the next car payment due? And right, did I make the last one? You know, all that just kind of stuff that kind of floats around in your head and takes up space. I just want to get it all out, get it digitized, put it on a dashboard and then open it up for me. You know, to help me keep track of my life, but so my, so my wife can dive in and see where we are at any given point in time. Yep. You know, and then put some orchestration around it and, you know, so do various different things. Like I've already got my car hooked into service now. And, you know, next step is like I got Insteon lights here and I'm, you know, nice, pull nice. those in. And
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, you're just hitting all the, all the, I was gonna <laughs> ask, like what, the, what uh, service are you ending, are you using for the car integration? Cause I had to go through a third party provider. To do it because BMW won't let you get direct access to your own vehicle. Like you have to do it through a service, but. Ah, so I got a Tesla and they have an open API. Ah, okay. Nice. Um, That is actually a good, like, man. uh. (laughs) Uh. Like I respect the reason why the Germans are like, "Mm, no, we're not going to like open this up. It just seems a little scary, but yeah. 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 That's awesome. So are you, have you got your car configured as a CI then? And you seem to be like in, in a vehicle class or something like that.
1: Not yet. It's just, I just really got like a a couple of uh, bespoke workflows that I have set up where I can start the car and get it preheated, you know, on certain days if I'm going to take the kids to school and stuff like that.
2: Cool. That's, that's pretty awesome. What, one of the things that I tell people like, and it sounds like it's nerdy and hard, but like a lot of this stuff, like when I'm teaching a, like an ITOM course, IT operations management for those who are not familiar with that, that acronym, but like discovery or service mapping. I tell people all the time, like, well, while you are trying to learn this, just install a mid server at home and just like start pinging the stuff on your network, like, that gives you just such crazy good, like real like, quote, unquote, real world experience right away. It doesn't matter if it's not an enterprise network, you're learning by doing and, and it's the same thing. Like when you start up like in the fundamentals class, I tell every it's been a while since I've gotten to teach a fundamentals class, but it's like, guys, Go home, like, and ask your kids, your wife, or or your partner, or husband, like, whatever. All the things that they would text or email you about that get lost in the shuffle or whatever. Ask them what those things would be. Those are like catalog items, and once you teach somebody how to make a catalog item in Flow Designer, the the possibilities are really endless. You can do so much, so quickly, and so easily that way, like without even like customizing anything. There's like no customization. Like you're just building like a catalog
0: item man, you guys are so far ahead of me. <laughs> Everybody's like, why is Robert being so quiet? <laughs> Too busy Dude, making like- videos, not actually building now stuff. Oh, boy. Corey, I got to <laughs> ask you, like, what,
2: oh, I was going to ask both of you, like, have you ever seen Nicholas Feltron's, like, and this is some old school stuff, but, like, a lot of that kind of quantified self that I got, like, super nerdy on, like, back in the day, starting at, like, God, in the early 2000, early aughts, if you go to Feltron.com, he's still got all of his annual reports that I used to have. Like the print versions of these. Yes, that's pretty crazy.
0: We will have it in the description below, actually, as well. Now that you shut it out. But yeah, I was there's a time where I thought I was gonna get big into quantified self, but I'm just like, oh, that's for like there's a certain amount of hey, if you just do this one thing right, like freaking go to bed on time every night. (laughs) Like you know what I mean? That's gonna tilt the needle more so than getting myself super hyper optimized. So it's Mm -hmm. like you almost have to, you know. Put the rocks in the jar first before you put the the, the, the <laughs> pebbles in, then the sand, then the water.
1: Yep, yep, yep. yep. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned this and quantify itself and, and everything. I, I am actually moving in that direction, too. I just found an app. I got a Garmin smartwatch that pulls all this data. I just got an app that takes it out, off of the uh, Garmin, out of the Gar- Garmin ecosystem and puts it into Go- Google Fit, where they, of course, have an API where I can grab it, <laughs> And then, uh, and then also I've got digital blood pressure monitor, right? And all that stuff goes into an app where nice. and then I can also grab it from there. You know, so moving towards like all of that kind of stuff, you know, to keep all this stuff in, in one place, just so, just to make it easier to manage, right? So if I'm going to a doctor's appointment, I could just pull out my phone and say, yeah, this is where we are. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Man, yeah. And, and then. And then having that data to see, like I can correlate on. Oh well, Friday I was feeling kind of crappy. Oh, this is how everything looked on Friday when I was feeling pretty crappy, right? Like, and you can start to make those adjustments.
2: Yep. Yeah, and absolutely. And like, and I, I think that, nowadays I, I count on that Aura Ring, right, to do that, and the Apple Watch, like same, same idea, right? Like just figuring out what is wrong with Ben today.
0: Oh, you know, I've been thinking about getting that done for a while. Not so much with the automation of the ring or anything like sensors or anything like that, but more so like just at least doing it the hard way at first and like a, every two hour check-in or something like that. Right. How do I feel? What's my yeah. blood sugar? I am I'm, I'm, I got type two diabetes mm. and it's like, it's just, I could take my, I could take my blood sugar in the morning and oh, it's fine. And midday it's feel awful. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I feel awful. I should take my blood sugar and it's sky high, you know? And it just, I think it would be cool to just have something that like, Oh, pling, ping on my phone, open it up. It's a service now check-in, like fill in these details and go and in the back end it's just storing it away in a table somewhere so i can use pa against it yep 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 that's like the
1: that's the little secret man yeah yeah this is like i mean this is crazy
0: (laughs) we should maybe uh, have a second episode just talk about this
1: yeah, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, like, so much stuff I, I've been using, I don't know, I, I've been using Now like, personally, personally, like, for quite a while, like, ever since they allowed, you know, us to get, like, the personal developer instances, I was like, finally, mm-hmm. this is, finally, I could take this and use it, you know, personally, and, and, and in my own life, because there's so much here, you know, with the automation aspects and the basically limitless API capabilities that you could do. And it's, it's just, I, I mean, I, I just love hearing from YouTube and, you know, that you have been that you've been doing this and you've taken it to a higher degree than I have. And I'm, I'm just like, seriously impressed.
2: Well, and, and I feel like partly that was so that I didn't feel like I was lying, like teaching a class or something and and be like, because if I don't get an opportunity to do like an implementation with a customer or something, I want to make sure I really have taken this thing out for a spin, right? Like I got to put it through its paces somehow, or I just don't feel right, like trying to instruct, quote unquote, somebody else on how to do it. Right. So it's like partly like a little bit of that, like a little bit of selfishness and also just like a little bit of curiosity. But can I tell you guys a a funny story speaking about like, like using, I guess, like Amazon used to call it dog fooding. We internally refer to it as drinking our own champagne. But like, can I, can I tell you a really old story related to using the, the platform for silly things? Absolutely. Love this. Love stories. All right. So When I came on uh, board, it was just before the Fuji release. So like, I've come to the platform pretty late. I'd been previously introduced to it a little bit sooner. I think around Berlin, we, I say we, but like, you know, people were checking it out, like where I was previously to that. But, um, when I came on board, uh, there was sort of like all this talk about like the burrito app, there's like a burrito app and I'm like, what is this? Okay, whatever. And recently somebody checked i think it was glenn pinto the one of the long long time training guys who's actually wrote the cmdb course mentioned it to me he's like hey you know the burrito app is still up and running and it turns out the burrito app is like an is on hosted on an old old instance that has been around prior to when they were named uh after cities Um, wow! and it was created by i believe one of the employees that worked like maybe in the like it was uh, maybe at the front desk or basically somebody that wasn't an engineer wasn't somebody working on the platform but like worked at this is uh when they were at the space shuttle at the time that that place in solana beach like the wooden spaceship right if if you are familiar with that old old building in san diego uh, okay like the one of their early locations and uh took
0: my training there oh, well that's cool <laughs> um so
2: <laughs> story goes that 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 basically to simplify the process of daily burrito orders at i want to say like one of the You know, I think it was like Filiberto's or somewhere else, like a little taco burrito place, like around the corner, built the little app, like way back in the early days, like to just automate the process of like sending out the email to everybody that was on the burrito list. What's your order? And they would reply back with what their order was, and then it would update the record for that day. And then he would take that record, print it out, and then like walk over to the burrito shop, pick up the order and bring it back. And that instance is still around to this day, apparently. That's awesome. Like,
0: and it's just like, well, I mean, if you get that working well, it's like,
2: <laughs> yeah, you like, got to
0: keep that going. Right, right.
2: And they kept it up and running. Like, I think it's cute that they kept the instance around. Like, you could still go and check it out. Like, it still existed. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you got to put it through a regular use case, even if it's something ridiculous, like ordering burritos every day.
1: All right. There's nothing ridiculous about ordering burritos
2: every day. I just want to go it's on a record serious and business. say that. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's a serious business. Absolutely,
0: got to get more CJ and the Duke sponsorship so I can yeah. just have my everyday burrito. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are basically creeping up on time. So Ben, we are going to give you the last word. Any closing advice to our listeners? Oh yeah, like like start today. Like don't 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 worry about getting it
2: right go spin up a like a developer instance and if you're like trying to figure out what to do like there's like so much there is literally so much content on there like the on the developer site there's the needed app application there's all of those like just little like start messing around try and blow it up try and figure out like how you can break it if if that's your thing like but the takeaway is don't wait till tomorrow like just try it today like that's just get going it's not going to be perfect but you'll get started I love that. Don't
1: wait. Don't wait until tomorrow what you can do today. That's right. I love it. Well, Ben, thanks very much for your time here and coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, This has been a great episode. (laughs) Me personally, I'm still geeking out over some of the stuff we talked about. I, I really appreciate you, you coming on and, and sharing your time with us.
2: It was uh, an honor and a pleasure. And I'm, I'm so glad you guys, uh, this went by like lightning fast. I can't believe lightning it. Lightning
0: fast. It, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, already seriously. time. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. I, I totally appreciate it. We will talk to you again soon, Ben. Thanks so much. Take care, fellas. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.